Welcome to Libre Lounge, a podcast about free software, free culture, and all the other interesting aspects of user freedom. With Christopher Lemmer Weber and Serge Broklowski. Hey, Chris. Hey, Serge. It has been a long time since you were on the show, so welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to be back. It is crazy times that we're in. Uh, as we're recording this, it is late March of 2020, and we're in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So um, on the last kind of micro episode I put out, I was suggesting that we would put out more episodes, um, really connect with our audience and uh, kind of come together as a community, uh, especially as we are social distancing from each other. And I'm really glad that you're back on and um, we can we can explore so that. So where have you been? So I've been working on something called Goblins, uh, which is a... It's basically a library um, to allow for distributed network programming. Um, I've also built a couple of gamey type things on top of it. One of them was for our friends at Software Freedom Conservancy for their fundraising campaign. I made this cute uh, postcard that was both something they sent out to their uh, donors uh, that had a little snowman on it in some falling snow. And then I made a program that actually ran in the terminal that had that, uh, um, the, 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 that actually had that animated as ASCII art. And that was using goblins. And I also made a space shooter video game, uh, that was, uh, um, using goblins as well. Yeah. So, and that was, and that was really popular. It was on, it was, it was really popular on Reddit and it was really popular on Hacker News. And I think the reason it was so popular is that it runs, it was, it was called terminal phase and it runs in the terminal. And I think that harkens back to the nostalgia about, you know, terminal applications. And we did a whole episode on nostalgia of terminal applications. Uh, and I think that the terminal phase, which is like this video game, you know, the space shooter video game that you made that uses the terminal kind of brings people back into that, into that, uh, that feeling of, of being at that yeah. mythical terminal. And, uh, yeah, I think that people get excited about that kind of terminal nostalgia. And even when I made uh, screenshots, I actually used Cool Retro Term, which was one of the programs we had talked about in that previous episode. Yeah. So um, I'm going to talk about something that, because uh, I, of course, follow you on the Fediverse. And I guess about a month or two ago, you posted something pretty personal, and uh, I think it might be something that you'd want to talk about on the sure. show. Sure. Um, so I posted that I came out as non-binary. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure how familiar people in our audience are with that term, but effectively it means that I don't really identify very. Um, clearly one place or another on the binary, uh, on, on the gender spectrum as a binary. So, um, you know, gender is a really complicated topic. Uh, I don't think we could possibly cover, I mean, there are a whole podcast that do nothing but talk about, about gender. So, uh, Chris, uh, what are your pronouns? Well, um, 
I I like pretty much all non-binary pronouns. Uh, I'll respond to pretty much any pronouns, but they, them is great in that it's really well understood and become fairly popular. Um, I actually also like some other forms of uh, singular non-binary pronouns. I really like the Spivak style of non-binary pronouns, which, uh, um, you know, are... But those aren't very popular to the degree that I've never actually even heard somebody say them out loud naturally before. Um, like, and they they're like e, er, m as pronouns. But since since they them took took off and became so popular, um, I, I just generally go with that because uh, I'm happy that something has taken off. You're probably going to find that I'm going to use they them with you um, unless you object to that. I don't object to that. I, I'm happy again. That something has taken off, and uh, you know, in some ways, I kind of identify as, um, I guess, gender awkward. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm just really happy when I see people making an effort personally uh, to use non-binary pronouns. Uh, and 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 I think for for other people, you know, it's a um, you know, your mileage may vary on the whole gender thing, and and for other people. Um, reactions are much stronger about pronouns, and I totally get that. But for me, um, I'm just really happy that we're at a time where um, a certain amount more fluidity is being accepted in gender presentation and uh, expression. Yeah, and I think you know we're moving to a point where when one introduces themselves, um, they'll say their name and their pronouns. I think that's a really positive thing, and sometimes when I... Um, I mean, person, sometimes I'll say, hi, my name is Serge and I use he, him pronouns. And I do that as a cis person because it opens that door for someone who may not be cis to be comfortable with, um, A, you know, using their preferred pronouns and B, telling me what pronouns they would prefer me use. So, um, listen, Chris, I am really proud of you. Um, this is something that you did share with me a long time ago, and I have um, respected your wishes not to, to talk about it, but I am really proud as as your friend to uh, to hear that you've come out, and I fully support you, and um, and really thank you for for sharing this with with everyone here, you know, that's listening to. That's really amazing, and. Um, yeah, I'm really proud. Well, thanks. That's really nice, and uh, it's it's nice to feel supported. Um, so this is an awkward... Speaking of awkward, uh, let's have an awkward transition um, to talking about the global pandemic. And, um, I mean, there's... Look, there's a lot to talk about. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Do we want to mm -hmm. transition out of that by saying that it's awkward? <laughs> well, that's... Yeah, that was the idea. It was that I was making a... I was talking about your awkwardness, but is that? Do you think that's insulting? Oh, I think I I didn't put together the connection that you were talking about me being gender awkward, and so so maybe our audience wouldn't uh, like. I, I I get it now, and that makes sense. I just didn't I didn't put it together. Oh, we're totally keeping this in in the recording, by the way. This 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 <laughs> okay. this like back channel of like that's why I said it because it was it was awkward, and you said, "Oh, I'm gender awkward," so I didn't make that. That, that was it was a stupid joke. It was terrible. Well, but I'm actually, totally yeah, keeping yeah, this. no, let's keep this. Uh, like, actually, let's get into this. So you and I, um, you and I said that we were going to use this episode and use this time to put out 
more episodes uh, than normal, and also that we were kind of interested in really reapproaching this show as being a casual conversation, right? And uh, oftentimes when we recorded these things, we spend a lot of time thinking about how we present things and sometimes go back and just delete a lot of it. Um, and maybe it's interesting for people to to hear that that you know that that we we have to when we're trying to figure out how to speak to each other, um, just like with anybody, we have to, you know, spend some time kind of negotiating things and, and thinking about things. And, and I think that that's healthy and more than acceptable. Yeah. And it's tricky too, because, um, look, we're both pretty forceful when we speak and we're both highly ADHD. Yep. So, uh, and we both have a lot to say on topics um, and they're not usually the same things. Like we, we emphasize different, we emphasize different parts of a discussion. And so it does make it tricky, especially when we're doing interviews. Like I find it less difficult when we're talking about a topic between ourselves, but the more people get into the conversation with us, uh, the more work we have to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's good. And, and look, I think that this show is going to have to shift a little bit. Um, look, we're, we're still going to do interviews. We're still going to do, um, topics and deep dives and stuff. But I know for myself, I'm, I'm both, you know, attached. I'm start, I'm watching a lot of TV, listening to a lot of podcasts. And the thing that I want more than anything at this point is just some sense of normacy and, and not, you know, it doesn't have to be total escapism, but just some, some stuff that's, that's just not just the news all the time because I feel like it's, it's dragging me down and I'm sure it's dragging other people down and it's important. Look, it's vitally important. We need to know what's going on. We need to be able to respond and we need to take care of ourselves and our families and our loved ones. But at the same time, like, you know, we can't just live our lives about purely, you know, COVID um, and then I, and again, I hope this episode lasts beyond that and that we all, we all get through this together. Um, and that this just becomes like, oh yeah, remember that? Remember 2020, how bad COVID was? Um, but for now, I just, you know, I think I'm feeling that need to connect, uh, more with, with friends and colleagues and loved ones more than I have uh, in the past. And I, and I, and I know that for myself, podcasts, can be that too. They, they feel very intimate and doing this show is actually very intimate for me. You know, it's just having the two of us in a conversation like this is a very intimate medium. You know, it's just the two of us, our voices and, and that's it. You know, we're not in the same room. We don't record seeing each other. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's good. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, it's, it's been interesting because I've been seeing, um, I've been seeing free software communities come back in like a much more conversational way as in terms of, you know, even being just on IRC, right? Like the, the Libre Lounge channel has been pretty active. A bunch of other IRC channels I've been in have been felt very active. Um, the conversations I've been having on, you know, all sorts of social media type things have felt a lot more personal and because they have to be right. Because, uh, you you can't meet up with your friends right now in this moment 
as easily as you could before you know for for many people this is the first time ever you know for for me i've been working from home for over a decade but for a lot of people this is the first time ever they've had that kind of um that that remoteness in their lives and uh certainly for almost all of us uh that amount of remoteness all the time right and uh um i i think it's hard for a lot of people you know including me but i think especially um i i also kind of feel like maybe for a lot of people this is really new um i don't know does that make any sense it it makes sense i think that you're right for a lot of people that don't normally work from home and that are getting that opportunity there's an adjustment period there's also just the fact that um i mean depending on where you are you can't break that isolation so you know i i'm a i'm a homebody and i like you know, spending time in my place. I, you know, have my, my place built the way I like it. My apartment is the way I like it. Um, at the same time, my partner is in another country. I can't visit her. Um, she can't visit me. And, um, we don't know when we're going to get to see each other again. And going outside, I live in New York City and going outside, it's really scary this morning. I decided I wanted some fresh veggies, uh, so I went to the supermarket, and I had to wait. Uh, even 10 minutes before the supermarket opened, there was a line that was stretching nearly a block, a city block. Um, we had to be let into the store one person at a time with like a minute in between each person. Um, the shelves are empty. Just everything feels different. Walking through the city feels you know, just a little walk I did near my neighborhood and, and going to Central Park just for a few minutes of air, you know, it just, it feels very lonely and it feels very isolated. And, and it makes me think about those connections and, and all of that. And it's at the same time, it's really hard for me to, to get lost in fiction or anything like that, because my mind just kind of keeps coming back to, you know, to, to the reality. And, um, Times like this remind us all of what's really important. And free software is super important. It's one of the most important things in my life. And it's helping remind me of why it's important. It's important because of the value of human life. Um, some of the most heartening things that I'm seeing are, you know, free and open hardware design for ventilators. And yeah. uh, we've, we've seen a bunch of those, or at least I've seen a bunch of those. And, and that, or, you know, also 3D printed parts, you know, 3D printed valves and other things and, and people talking about, you know, making, making these things available to everyone to use. Like that's for me, like that's the most heartening part. Like that's what our, that's what our movement is really about is helping one another. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that there is something to this moment in that. Uh, maybe this is going to sound really sappy and like, you know, like a Hallmark movie type conclusion to come out of this. Like, but like, I, I feel like there is something about this moment where everyone is kind of feeling so isolated that there's almost a certain amount of togetherness in isolation, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but so so let's let's talk about let's let's actually flip it around to you know what are we doing at the moment 
to to stay engaged, to to feel connected. Uh, you know, do we want to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Um, you can go. Um, so my partner, uh, my fiance, and I, um, we we just got engaged uh, last month. Congratulations! Um, thank you. Um, she's really amazing, um, and uh, she. She and I, you know, she lives in, she lives in Canada and there are times that I can spend with her, but I can't stay in Canada very long because, um, we're not married and so I don't have status there. So all I can do is, is go on vacation and I can't, you know, I can't earn money or do anything while I'm there. And it's a very limited time that I can be there. And, um, so we're used to being, um, on voice, uh, or video chat, mostly voice. Uh, a lot of the time. And, um, I've noticed that I'm doing more of that with other people. Um, even, even, even than I would normally. And, uh, so I don't know. I think people are just more looking for connection. Um, this last weekend, uh, I played, um, a game that we had actually mentioned on a previous episode, Empty Epsilon. And I hadn't played it in a long time, but I played it online with a bunch of friends. And, uh, it was really good and it, it worked really well. And, um, and we're going to be doing more of that. And I have other friends, some of the same friends and other different friends who want to do some online role-playing game stuff. And we're looking into, we're looking into that. And, um, so people are just looking for ways to, to connect with one another virtually. And I guess, you know, in the proprietary world, there's also a lot more people playing video games. I'm, um, I will admit that I, uh, subscribe to some proprietary video services and I've been watching a lot of TV and just to try to, you know, distract myself. Um, yeah. How about you, Chris? How, how are you handling this? Um, I mean, I think my situation is pretty similar in that, you know, I've been, um, we're, well, I'm also kind of a homebody. My, my spouse, Morgan and I both, you know, kind of enjoy, being home and we both work from home currently morgan's uh working on her dissertation for her phd and so we we spend a lot of time you know we both have home offices here and both just basically work out of our house so i think this is a a little bit less of a transition for us than for some other people but of course you know we're, we're being very careful like there's a couple of friends that we know in town that we feel safe going and meeting up with but like we just kind of each go to each other to see each other um and you know there they're also free software people, though we're not spending a lot of time these days talking about free software at the moment. Um, a little bit of it, you know, actually I talked with a friend who's interested in uh, uh, the ventilator stuff, the open hardware ventilator stuff. Uh, and, and I've also been um, talking about with a, meeting up with a friend remotely. We were meeting up very recently in real life uh, um, uh, and, and doing this thing where we've been kind of learning WebAssembly and to a lesser extent, um, 6502 assembly, which is actually something you had encouraged me to get into for quite a while, and and now I've just been starting to look at it. Um, but uh, uh, the you know we've had to switch to even though we live near each other, we've actually switched to doing that online uh, over voice stuff, even though like we're just you know like like a half hour walk from each other, which is kind of funny and weird, but you know it's I guess it's kind of precaution that we're taking. Um, it, yeah, but you know, and and I and I'll also admit I've also been playing some proprietary video games, uh, and uh, the 
I, I think that that's actually maybe an interesting topic about, you know, kind of the way that we segment things. But I actually want to first, before we maybe got to that, you mentioned something pretty interesting. I mean, I think we've dropped a few interesting threads here, but the empty Epsilon stuff, if you don't mind, I'd like to actually ask some questions because I'm interested in that myself. Yeah, go for it. I, I, it's a topic that I am I love talking about bridge simulators, and uh, there are really only two that I know of, and, uh, and empty Epsilon is awesome, so go for it. Okay, well, could you define what a bridge simulator is? Sure. So um, I'm going to use Star Trek as the generic, but um, I will make it very clear, Empty Epsilon is not Star Trek-based, and neither is the proprietary game Artemis, upon which it, uh, that it started off as a clone of. Um, but if you're... All the players are on the bridge of a starship, and each player is in a uh, bridge officer position. So one person is helm. Another person is communications. Another person is long range sensors or science. Another person is weapons. And one person is engineering. And then the last person is the captain and the captain. And so, sorry. So each one of these stations, they control some aspect of the ship. So, Helm, you know, steers the ship and uh, sets a course and does all that kind of cool stuff. Communications, um, in, in Empty Epsilon, they, they communicate with the different ships, but they can also uh, try to hack into remote ships, enemy ships, to try to take control of their systems. Long-range sensors, uh, they they monitor the situation and they, they do scans. And, and every, 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 and engineering actually is most critical. They... Um, they control all of the systems and they can overclock them and allocate resources to all of them. So everybody's got a computer. Obviously, there's they also got to be weapons controlling... too, right? So sorry, I interrupted you. Weapons, sorry. Yes, weapons. I forgot about weapons. They're, imp- they're very important. Uh, and ev- so each each player has a computer in front of them, uh, a real computer, and they each play the, they each play their station. Now, the one person who who doesn't control anything is the captain. And the captain just can look at the to look at the various um, stations. Sorry, they can they can look at a main viewer, which can, either they can control or one of the players can control, and they coordinate between all the other players. And um, Empty Epsilon in particular is really fun because each one of the stations has a really engaged play, um, far more than the proprietary game it was based on. And um, it handles multiple ships really well, so you can have different... You can have um, not just one ship, but multiple ships. It has different scale of ships. So you can have a ship with one person, a ship with four people, or a ship with six people. Um, and it just, it's, it's just really great. It's, it's, it's just really well put together. It's, it's not perfect. Um, and I've, I've talked with the developer, uh, the developer and developers about some of the things that I think are not, you know, could, could use some more polish. Um, one, one of those is that the assets in the game, the ship, the 3D models that they use, those are, uh, proprietary models, but the game code itself is free. Okay. So yeah, maybe that's an opportunity to try to get people, you know, maybe we could, if somebody's familiar with Blender or something like that, maybe that's an opportunity. Maybe we could like uh, to rally the troops to try to get, you know, some, some free, free assets in there as a replacement or something. Yeah. I made a I made a call out on the Fediverse about this. Uh, I guess last week, maybe by the time this is out, it'll be a couple of weeks. Um, 
about, you know, asking for this. And, and yeah, so if anyone has experience in building, you know, ships, um, you know, come and message me, um, and, uh, and maybe we can talk to the developers about what they, what they would like. Um, and maybe we can get some awesome free ships. That would be amazing. So, so, so that's what something... a bridge simulator is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. Um, so I wanted to actually follow up with a specific, um, aspect of this that really interests me in this moment, which is the social aspect of it. And now there's, there's a reason for this is that, um, my impression is that usually when people play bridge simulators, they often play them in person. And then this time, for obvious reasons, you gathered a group of people to play it online. So I'm really interested in hearing how those are similar and how they're different playing it in person and online. Like, what are the different experiences and how was that transition for you, especially at at this moment? So uh, you're right that this is a game that had traditionally been played in person. And specifically, the captain is usually... So, so the way this is usually set up for players is that you're in someone's, like, let's say their living room and everybody's got like a laptop or a desktop or a tablet and it can run on all these different platforms. It can run on Windows or GNU Linux or Android. Um, and then, um, usually the, the big screen. So if people have like a, a large television, that'll be like the main viewer. And that's what everybody can see, including the captain. And, um, and then everyone's just sitting around and, and, you know, there's like a lot of cross communication and discussion, you know, as, as we're moving through the ship and, you know, um, long range sensors is talking to weapons uh, about what they should be tuning and, and uh, science is talking to helm. And there's just a lot of that. Um, and it's super fun. And as you said, like we couldn't do that in person. So we had to do that online. Um, it was good. It, I mean, I'm not a bit. It wasn't as good. It, I didn't. We didn't feel. It didn't feel as cohesive. But in some ways, it strengthened the like working together. Right? Just okay. You know, we we're all kind of. We all felt like we're on an island and we're just trying to get through it. So that that worked okay. Um, I think it'd be it'd be interesting. Um, one thing we've done in person is we've had in the past with the Artemis, the proprietary game that it's based on, we've had situations where we'll have like multiple apartments and each apartment will be one spaceship. So, you know, like I would have one spaceship in my apartment and a friend would have one in his. Um, and then the, uh, the, the communications person was kind of communicating between the different ships and coordinating that. And I'm not sure how that would work uh if we had to do that uh multiple ship thing with only one communicate like with one global communication voice chat i don't know how that would work so well, well um, that's a that's an interesting question so so well maybe to to address that first we should ask how did you end up handling communication in the the last session you played oh right so we used um we used your mumble server, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is actually also how we coordinate doing these episodes. Right. So we, when we record the episode, we did that on our, our, how we, how we make these episodes episode. Yep. Um, so yeah. So we just, so what we did was we had a, a, a channel, a mumble channel for everyone who was playing. 
And because we were only one ship, that was, that was easy. Um, but I think if we try to do voice, ch- and, and, and it's fine if you're in person, because then the, the voice chat just becomes the intership communication. But if you were trying to coordinate all the activities of one ship plus all the activities of another ship via voice chat, like, you know, between ships via voice chat, I think that would get, that'd be too confusing. So you'd probably need to do, um, per ship voice channel and then text between ships. I think that's how you'd have to do it. Yeah, that might make sense. And you could actually, you know, thinking of Mumble, you could actually just set up different, like, chat. Basically, you can set up these different rooms in Mumble, so you could just give one per ship, basically, or something like that. I guess the details of that don't really matter. Um, But if you could assign, basically, the communications person to be privileged to have a communication channel and just kind of get everybody to agree they're the one person who is going to chat with other the sh- other ships and that should be fine. Yep. Yeah, yep, that's that's how that's that's probably how you would do it. So So, so can I ask you yeah, to share um, uh yeah. So one so my impression is when you play these games you kind of go on like an adventure for a session effectively, is that right? Um kind of so the game has Essentially, two we'll call them modes. One is that you just kind of set the game up. There's some random enemies, and you go fight the enemies. And then the other the other part is that it has these like as you say scenarios, little little uh, story driven games. And uh, we did both. Um, I think we enjoyed the story part, although. Uh, the 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 game we played we couldn't figure out what the next we, we we I'll admit like we had a problem where we didn't we couldn't figure out what the next step in the game was um and so we we tried figuring it out we never could and so we'll try more we'll try more scenarios next time um and I suggested we were like what are we going to do next time and I was like oh well actually the the game scenarios are in Lua so you know, we could just read what we're supposed to do and and not, you know, uh, you know, just figure out what our objective is, right, um, right, or fix it. But uh, you know, we shouldn't. You shouldn't cheat. But on the other hand, like, you know, if it if you if you're there for forty five minutes and you're just kind of stuck in a loop, um, you know, it it might make sense to to do that. So, um, yes, yeah, so it has both kind of both kind of. Oh, and there's a third scenario I, I didn't mention. There's a third way you can play, which is that you can also have the players, and then you can have a, a game master who can create ships and enemies and things, and they can they can put obstacles in the player's way. Oh, cool. So I'm going to ask, um, I think we should move on from this in a moment, but I want to ask one more thing, which is uh, a sign of a good session is that you had some exciting memories that came out of it. Were there any exciting moments from the session that you played last time? I think every time we we play a bridge simulator, there are exciting or funny things. Um, the you know in the past when I played this bridge simulator, for example, um, you know a lot of times somebody will make a mistake, and and it, everyone understands. You know, we all make mistakes, so like you know ramming our ship into an asteroid, you know, and blowing ourselves up was you know not this time, but we've done that in the past. Well, another time I played um, this game, uh, somebody was very intoxicated and they got so animated talking about like how we have to attack that they like started tapping on the screen. Uh, but like it was somebody's TV and like the person whose TV it was was like, you please do not break my television. Um, 
<laughs> this time, you know, nothing terribly weird came out. Like we were, we were really having fun, but we were like, oh, uh, you know, this isn't like once we couldn't figure out the scenario, we couldn't figure out the next thing to do. We were like, how do people feel about blowing up the ship? And everyone was like, yeah, let's blow up the ship. <laughs> and, um, so, and, and the, the, the self-destruct sequence in, in empty epsilon is awesome because it requires everyone to uh, coordinate. And the way it works is that, uh, this is probably going to be more exciting to play than it is to ex- explain, but everybody gets a code on their screen and they, and, and then you have to enter the code of other players. Oh, that's so great. So you all have to, you, you even have to coordinate self-destruct. That's great. Yeah. Well, no, actually, um, that's... and then the, and then, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, oh, no, that's, that's sometimes some of the most fun moments on shows like Star Trek is when they're like, you know, we have to blow up the ship and ever, and like all the officers coordinate. Usually they cancel at the last moment, but you know, it's really exciting when you get that moment where they're about to do it, of course. Yeah. And, and, and there's a little Easter egg if you blow up the ship. So I'm, I'm, I'll tell you that there's an Easter egg, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, I was just, it was, it was a lot of fun and I hope to be doing a lot more of that. And, and as I, you know, um, there are other games people, you know, I would say that we in free software definitely need more multiplayer games, more social multiplayer games. Like, like empty yep. epsilon stands out as one of the best. But we definitely need more. We need more free free software games and more free software co-op-y. I love. So I should say this. My, my I love co-op games. Like I like playing in a group and we all are working together. I also like hidden a, a genre called hidden role, where, where we're all working together except for the one or maybe more than one trader who's working against us. But but I like I like games where there's not just one winner who's going to take it all. Yeah, that's the, for me. the The team is is part of the fun. Yeah, now that's that's how that's how we. Those are the games we tend to prefer over in our household as well. Um, yeah, no, I I agree with you. I actually think that you know we well you and I have talked before about like what's interesting about things like muds and stuff like that, and those that kind of idea of having a social experience where. <laughs> You're playing a game, but everybody also just feels really connected to each other in the moment of doing it, right? And you feel like you're exploring an environment together. And I think that that's really important. I agree we're lacking it. Um, well, you know, so I dropped a hint about it. Um, it's not the only thing I've been doing. I mean, I've been doing plenty of stuff, including gardening. I've, I've started getting into gardening recently. But uh, um, I, uh, I, I, one of the things I've been doing is I, I have been playing a proprietary game. And the way that I... As a free software activist, I do feel guilty about that. But I, the way that I've set things up, and does it make sense or not? I'm not sure. Is I, I, um, I kind of quarantine my proprietary gaming area to a proprietary console, and then I keep my the main computers I run free. And I, I admit it's not good, right? But there is a, you know, there's only so. It's it's difficult to coordinate, and you successfully did coordinate a session of doing a free software game that has that same kind of level of experience and we'd like to build more things like that but you know i'm i'm going to acknowledge that um you know i've been playing a game that's proprietary i don't know if i should say the name should i say the name or not do you i mean i don't think think it matters if you i mean i i think it's actually silly when we're like i mean i just mentioned artemis i don't know how many 20 times yeah okay i'll okay i'll say the name Uh, i've been playing a game called animal crossing and it's a proprietary game and i'd love to have something that felt 
that kind of rich, right? You know, that like felt really like I mean to the degree where like it's even kind of a social network. My friend, my family and friends and I have been sending each other messages every day and presents and going to each other's islands and 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 spending time exploring with each other. And I've you know my family canceled our our family vacation where people were going to come out and see our house and spend time to each other with each other. And so instead, you know, we all went to each other's virtual houses in this game and basically had a conference call where all my siblings were all hanging out and chatting with each other and running around in this game world. And it felt, you know, it felt like that kind of level of interpersonal connection that I haven't had. And I'm not saying this to be like, yes, go out and buy this proprietary game. I'm saying it as in terms of, well, I wish I wish instead I could say, let's do that same thing with a free software system, right? And, you know, you, you did, right? You did that with Empty Epsilon. But I feel like we don't have enough of those kind of things. Yeah. And, you know, since we're talking about proprietary games, um, I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley with my partner. And, in fact, I proposed to her based in, you know, partially based on the game. I mean, I, I, I'll just, you know, I, I'm going to admit it here, right? So she and I play Stardew Valley, which is apparently similar to Animal Crossing. I've never played Animal Crossing. And the reason I like Stardew Valley is that, um, it, it's, it's fun and safe. And it just kind of, even though there's a little tension in like the activity, like I feel like it's, it's kind of like, your home, like you feel like you're 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 building this nice place. It's it's the feeling that I get watching you know certain sitcoms, right? Where it's just like this is a safe world and everything's okay. And especially now with with, with when the outside world is not okay, it really makes me feel the need for everything to be okay. Um, and um, yeah, so there's a there's an item in Stardew Valley where if you give it to an NPC, um, if you basically present this item as Hey, would you marry me? It's the mermaid pendant. And when I proposed, I proposed with a mermaid pendant. And in fact, I proposed to my fiance in real life the way I proposed to her in, in the game. Um, (laughs) so that's really cute. Um, so, you know, look, I, I think it's silly for us to be like, Oh, well, we shouldn't even talk about proprietary stuff. I'm not, we're not encouraging player people to, to, to buy proprietary software, but it's silly if we just say, oh, you know, like we, if we pretend that we're hermits, like if we pretend that like, whoa, oh, I know, I don't even watch proprietary. I only, I only watch free culture and I only read free culture and I only, you know, that's just not realistic. And I know there are people who only play, you know, who only run a hundred percent free software and those people are amazing and heroes, but that's not the case for me. Um, you know, Chris, you and I do differ about where we draw that line. Um, I, I also own a switch. I use it very differently. I, I use it mostly for exercise. Um, in fact, I, I, both my partner and I own a switch and, um, she uses hers for more video game stuff than I do. I just play ring fit and just dance. Uh, those are the only games I really play. Um, but well, I, I actually also use mine for exercise and that I use a recumbent exercise bike and then just play video games during it. Well, that's, that's a good idea too. Um, but, and that would, that one, I guess, wouldn't require a, a proprietary game system. I just don't have a nice setup for playing free software games from like, that's that like convenient, right? Right. 
but but let's I, so I'm gonna go. I I agree with you, and also I'm gonna challenge myself here in that. But you know, but I not- want to say one thing, which is that. So the other, but the other way you could have hand you could handle things, and I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong way. You've you've taken the quarantine approach, right? You don't put proprietary games on your main machine, right? And that's that's totally respectable. The other approach you could consider is, well, you don't want to run a system that is that is incapable of running free software, mm. right? And the switch is not capable out of the box of running free software. Like right. you can mod it. But it is not designed to run free software. And so if you were to take that approach, you would say, well, okay, I'll run proprietary games on my GNU Linux box. Well, that's an interesting debate, right? Because I, I, you know, I, 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 my prediction was that D- the, the point at which DRM would come to free software and the people would kind of celebrate it was when Steam would come to GNU Linux. And, and that, that's been true, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that in a blamey way, right? Like I'm saying like that, that's, it's true because people were like, oh, it's, you know, it's DRM done right, which is like a very disturbing phrase to me. Um, but, but you're right that it's like, it's just a different choice in your trade-off. Um, and, and I think that you're also right in that pretending that we're, perfect and that we don't do these things isn't healthy i do worry though like i just gave like an extended advertisement for this proprietary game and maybe that will encourage some people to pick it up you know uh the and like you know is that is that good or is that bad i don't know like well i don't think it's great i i think that it's true i think that um i what i would like to do is to be able to instead encourage people to pick up things like mts empty epsilon which you advertised earlier and to be able to have something that's as comfortable and safe as i think you and i both find like animal crossing and stardew valley to be um but i don't have that recommendation right now well i would say that maybe that's a call to to action for us and the community at large to build those things right there's no reason that a game like Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing couldn't be built on free software. That's There's, true. I mean, you know, it, and in fact, I would argue that it would even be in some ways easier to build such a system um, on free software because you, you know, we could be really collaborative. But you know, maybe maybe now is not the time for that. But I think I think the time will come for something like that. Yeah, I I think that that's it's something I've given a lot of thought about, though I don't think I want to discuss right now because I think we're getting pretty long on this episode. But I, I yeah. have given a lot of thought about you know what do, what is it that um what what would we what would be the steps to be able to get something like that built? But you know, uh, but I think we're getting close to yeah, maybe it's forty five minutes an hour yeah, right now. Absolutely. So so look, we we've got a lot to talk about. I'm sure we'll we'll keep. We'll do more frequent episodes. I mean, I still have to edit these things. Um, but we'll do more frequent episodes. We should, we should, we should talk about, um, the, the, the tooling that people are, you know, both using for remote work, but also being forced to use and free software alternatives. Um, we'll, we'll keep having these discussions about our, our, um, our experiences and just, you know, maybe just, Getting a little more personal. I don't know if, I don't know how, how people are going to feel, um, about that, but I think, I think it's healthy, especially now to kind of drop some of the, some of the distancing that, and I don't mean the social distancing, but I mean the, the intellectual distancing of like, oh, we, we won't even mention any like non-free this because especially look, we, we get, we get, um, um, inspired, you know, from, from a lot of, from a lot of proprietary stuff. 
Empty Epsilon's an amazing game, but I'll tell you, I don't think Empty Epsilon would have existed if it wasn't for Artemis. Right. And and it's better than Artemis, but it wouldn't have existed if not for Artemis. Well, even even so. Stardew Valley is dramatically inspired by a previous proprietary game called uh Harvest Moon. It's it's out, like it's it's the spiritual it's generally considered the spiritual successor to it. And so like that's a even a proprietary game being inspired by a previous proprietary game. So like the world is built by being inspired by previous things. So I think you're right about that aspect of things. Yeah. So, All so right. can can, can I actually throw out a question here for our audience? I'd I'd love to know, you know, uh, we've got the Libre Lounge channel, you know, um, and I'm sure you're going to do. Uh, we we have our usual like, you know, here's the ways that you can contact us, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it would be nice to hear from people. Like we've dropped um, a lot of the, you know, formality around this episode and i know that even in some of the previous interviews that you've done recently you know we've been really trying to live up to and you've been really trying to live up to the the tagline of this show of the level of of casualness a casual conversation about user user freedom like how do people feel about it um i mean i'd be interested in send us send us uh feedback send us stuff on um so how how can you send us feedback how can, yeah, you? can go on, you can go on our IRC channel, hash Libra Lounge on Freenode. You can send us an email, podcast at LibraLounge.org. We get very little uh email, so uh that would be nice. Um you can um you can contact us on ta- contact us on the Fediverse. Uh and uh you can do that we're on Mastodon or Pleroma at, at Libra Lounge at floss.social. Um, we're also on Twitter, uh, and we're at Libra Lounge on Twitter. And I think that is everything, right, Chris? Yep, I think so. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. Yep. Okay. All right. Take bye care. Bye. bye. You've been listening to Libre Lounge. You can find and subscribe to us at LibreLounge.org. This podcast is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. Our theme music is Bossa Nova by Joth, which is waved into the public domain under CC0 and which you can find on opengameart.org. If you'd like to support Chris Weber's work on this and other user freedom projects, you can donate at patreon.com forward slash C-W-E-B-B-E-R. Thanks for listening. See you next time.